Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Ladies and gentlemen, it's over. It's over. I'm telling you, we have information for you today that will absolutely decimate the credibility of this entire FBI case against Trump, their sources, everyone. It's over now. We've got some really unbelievable stuff. I don't want to oversell it. All right. But do not miss today's show because there will be no turning back for the Bureau people who targeted Trump after today's show. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Yeah. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, you, you got me, brother. I wasn't ready for I that. I did not. Now, <laughs> I know. And I did not tell Joe intentionally before the show what I'm going to talk about Mm-mm. because it's not very confusing, but I have some stunning details today oh, that man. a source of mine hat tipped 27 279er that is just devastating i said joe i want you to follow with the audience therefore if they don't understand you could be the ombudsman Good listen deal. let's get right to it no more messing around today's show brought to you by our buddies at teeter the best inversion table out there just got off it before the show helps me clear my head i love this thing i can't say enough about our next sponsor teeter t-e-e-t-e-r they make the best inversion tables on the market you use gravity in your own body weight to decompress and elongate your body decompress your discs your joints you're standing on them all day i have horrible arthritis i'm telling you i would be lost without this device some of the products i have we sponsor i use daily some weekly some monthly this i use twice daily after my workouts that i do after the show and in the morning to clear my head makes my back my shoulders feel better i love the teeter inversion table i'd be lost without it I feel like a new man when I get off it. The decompression feels great, not just on my spine, but on my shoulders too. Folks, if you have back pain or you've been lucky enough to avoid back pain, you need a teeter. Invert every day. Keep your back and joints feeling great and fluid and supple. It's important. Now, over 3 million people have put their trust in teeter. They're the best known name in inversion tables since 1981. Can't recommend this product enough. For a limited time, you can get teeters brand new. 2019 upgraded model of the inversion table, the Teeter Fit Spine, with Bonix accessories, the Stretch Max handles, helps you stretch even more when you're hanging. Easy reach, uh, easy reach ankle system, plus a free inversion program mat with 24 illustrated stretches and exercises. It makes it real simple. Teeter inversion tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon, and with this deal, you'll get $150 off when you go to teeter.com slash Dan. Teeter.com slash Dan. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk for you to try it out. Remember, you can only get the new 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table, plus a free inversion program mat by going to teeter.com slash Dan. That's T-E-E-T-E-R dot com slash Dan. All right, let's get to it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you've been lied to. Christopher Steele's credibility and the FBI's credibility. Uh, I'm Again, I'm not talking about the working agents there. I'm talking about the cabal that hammered Donald Trump is over after today. Here's what happens. Let me give you the lead first. The FBI knew 10 days before they walked into a FISA court. They knew their source for all of this information to target the Trump team. Christopher Steele was not credible and was lying. Oh. Now. You may say, oh, well, Dan, you've been telling us he's been lying forever. Yes, I know that. But we've never had the proof up until now. Now, why is this going to be a huge, enormous problem for the FBI outside of the obvious? They walked into a FISA court, said, hey, our source, Christopher Steele, he's really wonderful. He gave us this information about Trump colluding with Russia. Look how wonderful this is. Mm. That is not what they put in the FISA warrant, as you can see here. The FISA warrant reads very clearly at the bottom... We have deemed source one to be reliable. 
Quote, source one has been compensated by the FBI and the FBI is unaware of any derogatory information pertaining to source one. That is Christopher Steele. Let me read that last line again because I'm going to decimate this guy's credibility right now. The FBI is unaware of any derogatory information pertaining to source one. This is in the FISA warrant at the end of October. Are you guys and ladies at the Bureau, the FBI, absolutely sure you had no derogatory information about the credibility of Christopher Steele, source one? Well, that's fascinating. Because we did some homework, some friends of mine, and they uncovered some interesting things, ladies and gentlemen. Some notes recently have been exposed about a conversation that was had with Christopher Steele on, if you'll put up this first handwritten note, October 11th. These are handwritten notes from a State Department representative, Kathleen Kavalek, who took these handwritten notes on, you'll see the date circled at the top there, October 11th of 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, 10 days before the FBI swears out the FISA based on information they get from source one, Christopher Steele, they say there's no derogatory information about. So 10 days before, Kathleen Kavalek at the State Department meets with Christopher Steele, source one. Remember, Joe, there's no derogatory information. Yes, Dan. These are her handwritten notes. Oh, those handwritten notes go on. Oh, this gets really, really cutesy now. Handwritten note numero dos, number two. There's an interesting little note she takes about our conversation with Christopher Steele 10 days before the FBI swears he's the most verified, wonderful source on the planet and they have no derogatory info. Let's see note number two. What's in there? Oh, oh, what is that? She's got a doctor's handwriting, but don't worry, I'll translate it for you. These are handwritten notes on October 11th, 10 days before the FISA. What does that say, Joe? Cohen Cohen. Prague. Yeah. Cohen Prague. You can read that, right, Joe? Yeah. Cohen Prague. The handwriting's pretty awful, but it's pretty clear that Christopher Steele, who she's talking to, in the meeting is talking about Michael Cohen going to Prague. Mm Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. On October 11th, Christopher Steele is telling a State Department person, Kathleen Kavalek, who's taking written notes we now have that, by the way, were hidden from the investigators in this case. So thank you. Thank God. And I am not using the Lord's name in vain. Thank you for inspiring the whistleblower to give these handwritten notes, the type notes we've had a long time. The government has. Yeah. Thank you for giving them to congressional investigators. Why is this Cohen Prague note important? Because, ladies and gentlemen, in Steele's information he's transmitting to the FBI, where he's trying to establish a case that Trump colluded with the Russians, mm-hmm. the central component of his case is that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, arranged this entire thing and the payments for the emails and the Russian information on Hillary. In Prague. Uh Uh-uh. Follow me here. All right. Joe, you are it is your job, your solemn duty to be the audience ombudsman today. The sole 
basis in the dossier for the Trump knowledge of this collusion scandal is that his lawyer paid for this information from the Russians in Prague. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the problem here? The FBI is swearing all this is true. He didn't Our source said it's true. Call him go to Prague. To Prague. He's never been to Prague. Now, oh, you dude. regular listeners, you're like, okay, so that's all old news. Mm. Cohen's already said he's never been to Prague. Mueller's already said he's never been to Prague. What's new here? Oh, oh, but that's not what Christopher Steele told the FBI just eight days later. Oh, this is good. This is just making me salivate right now like I'm looking at a ribeye. Here is the dossier. Remember, the dossier is a series of memos Christopher Steele puts in writing and gives to the FBI. Put up this little dossier portion and pay special attention to the date. This is just gold. Oh, what's the date on this, Joe? Uh, October 19, 2016. So. October 19th. Joe, just to be clear, yeah. October 19th is after October 11, 2016, right? Uh, yes, that's true, Dan. I'm, okay, I'm not crazy. Right. Joe has confirmed it. Yep. October 19th is after October 11th. On October 11th, Christopher Steele walks into the State Department and tells Kathleen Kavalek something about Cohen in Prague, which appears in the dossier as Cohen going to Prague to set up this whole thing. Cohen has never been to Prague. But what's the problem? Eight days later... In a memo known as the the dossier to the FBI, note the highlights on my dossier thing here. The Kremlin insider, this is from the dossier, from Steele. He's talking about his source, a Russian colluding with him to attack Trump. The Kremlin insider was unsure of the identities of the officials with whom Cohen met secretly in August with, or Joe... The exact dates or location of the meeting. Oh, Paula, please come back to me full screen here. Yes. Yes. Oh, when I read this, thank you. Thank you, CV. You know who I'm talking about. My gosh, are you good. How is that, Joe? How is Cohen unsure? How is Christopher Steele? who they possess right. no derogatory information about, telling the FBI eight days after he told the State Department about it, Cohen's meeting in Prague. Yes. How is it that eight days later, in his memo to the FBI that they're using in their FISA document, he's saying, oh, I don't know. My source is unsure where the meeting was. You weren't unsure eight days ago. Now, you may be saying, well, Dan... How do we know the FBI had the information from Kavalek? Oh, oh, we know. She transmitted her typed notes, not the handwritten notes. This is an important distinction to the FBI. Those type notes the FBI has had since, Joe, October of 2016. Oh. Now. You entrepreneurial investigative reporter types may already be putting together where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. Why would the differences between these recently revealed handwritten notes and the type notes, the FBI, in other words, the FBI has known in type notes from Kavalek 
that Steele is lying. He had to be lying. He's telling the State Department on October 11th, oh, Cohen was in Prague. And then eight days later, he's writing a memo to the FBI. Yeah, my Russian insider's unsure, unsure where the meeting was. You just said it was in Prague. Now, fascinating. The FBI has had those typed notes of the handwritten notes mm-hmm. since October of last year. And as John Solomon reported in his piece in The Hill, John has done great work. Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, who has sold us out completely with this, I'm not sure I used the word spying last week. <laughs> Chump. John Solomon reported last week in The Hill that in an emergency, by the way, the typed written notes from Kavalek were not classified in October of 2016 when they got them. That the FBI just a few weeks ago, is redacting all of the information they had in the notes. Oh, isn't that fantastic? From John Solomon's piece. Everything else in the memo, we're talking about her typewritten notes transmitted to the FBI, was redacted when? Was classified by the FBI on 4-25-2019. They will declassify it in 2041, 25 years after the 2016 election. Oh, this is just, if the first part I told you was gold, this is platinum. Not only do we have knowledge now, number one, Mm. headline, the FBI in October of 2016, before they swore their source was credible, knew their source wasn't credible. He's telling the State Department one thing, Mm -hmm. Cohen's in Prague. She takes a note, transmits it to the FBI. He then writes a memo just days later telling the FBI he doesn't know. You're swearing the information's true. He is lying. He is making this up. Cohen was never in Prague. You never thought to question why there's this discrepancy? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may say, oh, what are all these redactions about? So the the type notes here, the type notes from that meeting the FBI's had since last year, they were not classified. Now, all of a sudden, last month, Christopher Wray classifies them. Why? Because they swore this was true, despite having a series of transmitted notes saying this guy was full of stuff. How about that? He, how, oh, I told you these people were going to go down to three-letter people. They're swearing he's telling the truth. Now, if you, I know I'm going a little out of order, so forgive me to Paula and Joe, but There's a second piece here of the dossier. There's another dossier screenshot I have. It's number 136. I went a little out of order. Where he mysteriously produces the next day. Look at the date on the bottom. This is steel. This is the dossier. He mysteriously produces on October 20th, nine days after his October 11th reveal about Cohen and Prague to the State Department, all of a sudden the next day, 
Remember, October 19th, he doesn't know, his Kremlin insider doesn't know where the meeting happened, although we already told the State Department where the meeting happened. The next day, mysteriously, Joe, he comes up with it. Read the dossier. Look what it says. Mm -hmm. I'll read it for you at the end. He's talking about the Cohen meeting in Moscow. It shifted to what was considered, quote, an operationally soft EU country when it was judged too compromising for him to travel to the Russian capital. Oh, so the next day, all of a sudden, he's inspired and Steele figures out that was an operationally soft uh, European country, referring, of course, to Prague. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, takeaway number one, Steele is lying. Takeaway number two, the FBI had the notes. They knew he was lying. They knew his story was unverified and unreliable because Steele couldn't even tell the same story twice. And they retroactively, just a few weeks ago, redacted the memo so you wouldn't discover that that Cohen-Prague line was in there because it's redacted in the type notes. But someone at the FBI, when the handwritten notes became public, forgot to redact the Cohen-Prague part in the handwritten notes. Oh, oh. Maybe, Joe, just maybe. Huh. The FBI, in a panic, realizes there's another copy of these notes we've had since October. Someone's got handwritten copies of what we had typed up since last year, showing our source was hot garbage. Quick, redact them all. But they couldn't get to it in time. And their handwritten notes are now out there, which will now from this point on, decimate and destroy the credibility of Steele and the FBI agents involved in this case. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not overselling this when I tell you this single piece of information. I mean, there's mo this isn't it, but I'm telling you of all the devastating pieces of information destroying the FBI's case that they had no derogatory information and their source was reliable is refuted by their own source who can't even remember his own story. I got more on this. Their source can't remember his own story. There are many possible explanations of this. It's on the phone this morning with a source of mine. Very good. And we were going through some possible scenarios. Scenario number one. Steele tells Kathleen Kavalek at the State Department on October 11, 2016 about the Cohen going to Prague to coordinate Russian collusion. Cohen's never been to Prague. Kavalek writes it down, transmits that information to the FBI. Steele is a paid source. He's not fired, fired. I don't really think he was ever fired mm -hmm. until November. He wasn't. They tried to get him back later on. Right. But he was fired, according to the FBI, so they could cover their butts a month later in November. So in October, on October 19th, he transmits a memo to the FBI. We now call the dossier. And in that memo, Joe, it says, hey, Cohen uh, traveled to go coordinate this thing, but I don't know where. And my source is, quote, unsure. There's a distinct possibility, yeah. Joseph, that Steele then goes back, has an oh moment, and goes, hey, 
guys, whoever he's talking to, his handlers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I already told that to the State Department about Prague. Uh-oh, let's rush a memo out the next day saying, oh, no, no, new information. It was an operationally soft EU country. You see where I'm going uh, with this? Yeah, yeah. He forgets uh, yeah. his own story. Yeah. He's trying to slowly leak this to the FBI because he's being paid. He's being paid for it. He doesn't want to give up all the cookies at one time. Hey, what a 5000 for this, 10000 for that. He's le- But he forgets he already told the State Department it's not paying him the whole thing. Who gave it to the FBI? Mm. So he rushes out a memo the next day saying, oh, 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 uh, I remember now. It's an operationally soft EU country. You don't even remember your own story. He forgot his own story. That's avenue number one. Avenue number two is even more disturbing. Remember the movie script theory we've been talking about the entire time? Yes, I do. Glenn Simpson, who is paying Christopher Steele. Steele is source one. Steele is is working for Glenn Simpson and a company called Fusion GPS, hired by the Clinton team to go generate negative information on Trump, which later turns out to be false. If you read the dossier, specifically the Manafort sections, they read almost exactly aligned in a parallel construction kind of way. They read like a 2007 Wall Street Journal article by Glenn Simpson about Manafort and his role in Russian influence in U.S. politics. Where am I going with this? Ladies and gentlemen, there's a distinct possibility. Steele is feeding information to the State Department verbally in that meeting with Kavalek and the FBI verbally meeting with, we know he's meeting with Bruce Orr from the DOJ. We know Bruce Orr has a handler, Joe Pianca from the FBI. There's a distinct possibility that the verbal information is coming from Steele, like we have in the Kavalek memo, Joe. Mm-hmm. But the dossiers with Steele's name on them were not written by Christopher Steele. What if they were written by Simpson? Oh, dude. Now, you may say, why is that a problem? Because, again, as we see in the FISA, the FBI is swearing in court that this information didn't come from Simpson, Joe. Right. Came from Steele. Came from Steele, who was a verified source with no derogatory information. It had to come from Steele because the FBI had worked with him before on the soccer corruption case. If it came from Simpson, it would be totally unreliable and he'd have to go through a source mm-hmm. vetting procedure. They didn't have to do that with Steele because he'd already been an FBI source. Okay, we're good, we're good. So Simpson writes the dossier or, or portions of it, maybe Nellie Orr, submits it to the Clinton team and others. That information somehow makes it back to the FBI But it's not from Steele. Steele is telling a completely different story about Cohen and Prague just eight days earlier. It's not his memo. That's possibility number two. Either Steele's so unreliable he forgets the details of his own story and he forgets Joe. This is why this is such a tier one level nuke on the battlefield of this case. Steele forgets the most critical piece of information out of all. 
that Trump was colluding with the Russians because his lawyer traveled to Prague to pay for this information about Hillary? He forgets that detail? Does that make any sense to you? No. So either he's the worst witness in human history who forgets the one key detail of the entire case that matters, or he didn't write the dossier which has his name on it, which the FBI uses to get their warrant because Andy McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, has already told us the case would not have existed without said dossier. So either the FBI is using a totally unreliable, ignorant idiot of a source who forgets key details of his own case, or they're saying they're using that source and they're not. They're using Christopher or Glenn Simpson. Oh my gosh, is this devastating stuff. Mm, I'll say. <laughs> it's, oh, fellas, ladies, it's over. It's over. It is now over. It's over. You got suckered. You got suckered. That Christopher Ray went and retroactively de uh, classified a memo they've had from Kavalek in typewritten form since October of last year, which was not classified. Because they're trying to hide this Cohen Prague detail. It is clear as day. Now. Now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I am not done. Oh, I'm not done. There is another juicy tidbit that I am almost positive is being hidden underneath the redactions in both the written ones that they rushed to classify now, but they forgot the Cohen Prague thing and the type ones they've had since October. Keep in mind, it's their notes of the same meeting. Mm -hmm. But some... Heavenly inspired whistleblower gave us these written notes, which are gold. I'm going to get to that in a second. I got to take a quick break here for Freedom Project Academy. Yeah, but don't go anywhere. You like that on the Yeah, cost? man. Killer show, brother. <laughs> All right, folks. Freedom Project Academy. Hey, right now there are 50 million kids attending America's public schools. The left isn't even trying to hide their indoctrination efforts anymore. Have you had enough of this? Freedom Project Academy is the answer to you. The left is into ideological training. They're not into education training in our schools anymore. Real world skills like reading, writing, and arithmetic, they're gone. They've been replaced with social justice, gender confusion, and test-driven instruction in the classroom. Our schools are wasting your kids' time. Even worse, they're harming your kids in some way. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. Freedom Project Academy is the answer here. Thankfully, you have a choice, and this is why Freedom Project Academy was created. Freedom Project Academy, this is important. This is an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students in kindergarten all the way through high school. Freedom Project Academy has taken the interaction of the traditional classroom, and they created an online atmosphere where students across the country are instructed by live teachers in small classes, and they teach students how to think not what to think. Gosh, where did that go? Go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet today. That's freedomforschool.com. Enroll now to take advantage of the best early bird discounts. Don't forget to subscribe to the weekly podcast, The Dr. Duke Show, available on iTunes and more. Take back control of your child's education. Go to freedomforschool.com, freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Okay. The question now becomes, what was in those redactions 
that the FBI now has retroactively redacted from the type notes and ham-fistedly rushed to redact from the handwritten notes of the Kavalek meeting where Steele tells the Cohen Prague story he can't seem to remember in his, his, air quotes, dossier eight days later. Well, as Kathleen Kavalek, the State Department official, on October 11th of 2016, is sitting there talking to Christopher Steele, taking notes, she's doing a little checking herself, something the FBI trained criminal investigators investigating Trump either failed to do or did and ignored. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm about to tell you here. They were talking about a State Department bureaucrat, Kathleen Kavalak, who is not a criminal investigator in any way, shape, or form, who, I can't get in her head, but I'm guessing in this interview with Steele where he's talking about Cohen Prague and this Trump-Russian collusion fairy tale and all this nonsense, my guess is she's a little skeptical about Steele's information. Why? Because we have a little section redlined out Mm -hmm. of her type notes, which she sends on to the FBI later. This is important. I'm going to read this to you. He also winds up talking in the meeting, Steele, about this guy, Mikhail Callaghan. It's not, don't worry about it too much, but she starts talking about, Steele starts talking about Callaghan's travel. So during the meeting, it's pretty apparent Kavalek is doing some checks. She writes, and this is circled here, thanks to my buddy, and parts of it are redacted. This is key. His travel history indicates he arrived in the U.S. at Dulles on April 4, 2016 and departed at Dulles on August 18, 2016. She's talking about this guy, Callaghan, okay. who Steele's talking about in a meeting. Then they're ta- she's checking the travel history of another guy. She says, and Andre Bandarov appeared to be in the country as of late September 2016, whose most recent I-94, which is a travel document, indicates he arrived on August 29, 2016 at Dulles Airport. It's important to note that there is no Russian consulate in Miami and common. Okay, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to explain how devastating this is. So first piece of information we have, the FBI knowingly swore to information from an unreliable source is that the source can't even remember his own story to the FBI. Mm Mm-hmm. Tidbit number two, the FBI has this information and retroactively redacts it to hide the fact that he told an unreliable story to two separate people and they swore to it. Point number three, the FBI swears in their own FISA they have no derogatory information about Steele despite having it. Point number four, there's a redaction in the middle of this piece where the State Department official is skeptical of all of these Russians traveling to the United States and starts checking out, I don't know, on texts or uh, the Treasury for whatever access database she has. She starts checking to see if these people actually came to the United States or left, and she figures it out quickly, the actual dates. Now, on the handwritten notes, she actually circles at one point. Remember, those were the type notes with the red line. Mm Mm-hmm. On her handwritten notes, as she's talking about uh, with Steele, all these Russians coming to the United States and stuff, she has August 18th and she circles it right underneath it, indicating, Joe, that she's getting information and she's double checking it. Okay. Look at that right there. It's up on the handwritten note, right beneath the Cohen Prague note. She's talking about flying into the United States in early August. In other words, Christopher Steele, follow me here. This part may be a little bit confusing. Steele is telling her this Russian travel to the United States from late July to early August. He doesn't give her a date. Right beneath that, on her written notes, she circles August 18th, meaning she probably feeds this information to someone in another room or checks it right in front of her and finds out in her database that the guy did travel to the U.S. on August 18th. 
What is she doing, Joe? She's checking the travel history of people Christopher Steele is talking about traveling to and from the United States involved in this scheme. Mm -hmm. She's checking the travel history on her written notes right after the Cohen prog note. Now, put up those type notes again. Notice how right in the middle of her checking these travel histories of everybody involved, Steele talks about Cohen traveling to Prague, and there's a redaction right in the middle. Oh, oh, what's that redaction? Is Kathleen Kavalek checking in live time? If Michael Cohen went to Prague in her computer, like she's checking these two other individuals in the type notes. And is that middle line a note saying, hey, check the travel history of Cohen. He's never been to Prague. Oh, oh, Mr. Trump, please, for all that is good, unredact this. God forbid that note in those type redaction, in those type notes, is a note stating eight days before, eight days before that dossier piece, that Cohen has never been to Prague and the FBI went to the FBI, Mm. went to the FISA court and raised their right hand and swore Trump colluded with the Russians because Cohen had been to Prague. This is not dead air. I want you all to stew. Let's do a five count. Okay. Do you understand what I just told you? Yes, we do, Dan. That not only did the FBI have information about Cohen going to Prague, 10 days before they swear... Cohen went to Prague to coordinate this whole Russian collusion theory they want to spy on Trump for. Not only do they have information that eight days later, their so-called reliable source couldn't even remember his own story about Prague. Mm. They may have information under that redaction about Cohen never having gone to Prague at all. Oh. Gosh, you're missing the, if you are missing the YouTube today, but I think the facial expressions are worth the price of admission alone. (laughs) Listen, this will always be an audio podcast first, but my gosh, if there was ever a time to watch our YouTube and share it, this is it. Yeah, man. Joe, I know you're enjoying the facial expressions. Oh, yeah. These are, my my poor wife outside, I'm sitting here this morning and I'm like, I, 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 I'm feeding her production information. I'm like, please, we got to get this up early today. We couldn't, it was just too much stuff. It's going to go up at the regular time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's over. It's over. The case is over. It's done. Do you understand? It's over. If that redaction has info, it doesn't even matter what that redaction says. This is just icing on the cake. But, oh, it is thick icing. They already know their source, their swearing is reliable, is a BSer. 
He's telling the FBI, which couldn't just have done. Do you understand that a State Department bureaucrat did the investigative work? The FBI couldn't. She's checking the travel histories right there. Did you see the last line in there? The Russian consulate line? Put that up one more time if you don't mind. (laughs) The State Department bureaucrat, Kavalek, hears from Christopher Steele that the Russian side of this collusion thing with Trump is being run out of the Russian consulate in Miami. She writes in her memo, it's important to note, there is no Russian consulate in Miami. Hickory, dickory, dock. full of it. Yeah. He's full of crap. He can't remember his own story, and his key details are all fabrications. There's no Russian consulate in Miami. The FBI couldn't figure this out? A, a State Department bureaucrat could? Cohen's travel history to Prague. God forbid that note says Cohen's never been to Prague. I checked it. And they transmitted that to the FBI and then they walked it into court. It's over. It's over. Just, it. please, it's over. Just come out and say it. It's over. Just come clean and get the story out there so we can get back to the Bill of Rights, the Republic, and have the Constitution mean something besides treating it like a tissue when you've got a head cold. It's over. Your source was crap. He lied. He made stuff up. He forgot key details or misremembered key details. You didn't do basic investigative work. You didn't verify easy to verify things like a basic travel history check on Michael Cohen when the bureaucrat most likely did it. You didn't know there was no Russian consulate in Miami. You're the FBI. What the hell is wrong with you? And Christopher Ray redact, unredact this immediately. Immediately, we're American citizens. Our country is not yours. You guys work for us. I was a federal agent. I have paid due deference to the quality men and women I worked with in the FBI. Joe, you know that. Yes, I do. They were great American patriots, the people I were, and I'm never going to take that back. But these a-holes at the top of the agency who are crapping all over this country, we run this place, not you. You work for us. To investigate criminals and terrorists. You don't work for us to hide the biggest scandal of this generation. It's over. It's over. Your source was shit. You knew it. And now you're trying to cover it up. You're praying for a Democrat to get elected in 2020 so this will all go away. Your source was shit. Your whole case was your source. Your deputy director admitted to it. You knew it. You failed to do basic homework. It was garbage the whole time. You have that Lindsey Graham video? Oh, I'm sorry. I know we went a little bit out of order. But now does Lindsey Graham's appearance on the fantastic Maria Bartiromo weekend show, 
on Sunday on Fox. If you're missing that show, by the way, you're, you're making a catastrophic mistake in judgment. Maria Bartiromo's Sunday show on Fox. I think it's on at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. DVR it. Because if you're missing it, you're missing out on some... You just don't know what... I'm sorry, you're missing out on key components of this case. Bartiromo, Miss Bartiromo, had Lindsey Graham on this weekend. I want you to play this cut and listen specifically where he starts talking about an, a classified document. He has seen... He's seen the full thing. The redactions are, he's seen Mm -hmm. them unredacted. Mm -hmm. And I want you to pay specific attention to what he says the FBI used to verify their source instead of doing what a bureaucrat did, some basic computer checks and Googling if there's a Russian consulate in Miami. Play Lindsey Graham. There's a document that's classified that I'm going to try to get unclassified that takes the dossier, all pages of it, and it has verification to one side. There really is no verification other than media reports that were generated by reporters who received the dossier. So the bottom line is the dossier has never been independently confirmed. It was used to get a warrant. They knew the author of the dossier was on the Democratic Party payroll. He hated Trump. They got the warrant anyway. Most Americans should be upset about that. I'm very upset about it, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. I don't care where you feel, how you feel about Lindsey Graham. I can't vote for him. He's in South Carolina. I know some of you have some issues with his stance on immigration. Fine. Fair enough. But something's happened to Lindsey Graham over the last year. I'm not sure if it's because he's seen the behind the scenes. He's seen who the wizard really is. And he's determined to make this his legacy to get to the bottom of this. But he is an inspired new man on this case. Yeah. There's nothing Graham or Devin Nunes or Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows, the heroes of this case, say on TV that they don't absolutely have some backup for, but they always have to say it in kind of a cryptic way. What Graham just told you is instead of the FBI doing basic homework on a now known unreliable source they had mounds of derogatory information on he was working for the dnc he hated trump he couldn't get his story right his dossier conflicted with his interview with the state department just eight days earlier not only did they know that but instead of then going the extra mile and trying to verify the information joe to clear up the miscommunication Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. graham has seen the unredacted document where they incredibly attempt to verify uh, Christopher Steele and his information and his dossier, not always the same thing, by using media reports that media people got from who? Christopher Steele. Dude. Dude. (laughs) What a mess. (laughs) In other words... Kathleen Kavalek at the State Department figures out in two seconds through a travel check that some of Steele's information is garbage. She figures out there's no Russian consulate in Miami, probably because she Googled it. (laughs) Probably didn't even have to Google it. And yet the FBI, instead of doing any of that, says, no, no, this guy's real and we don't have derogatory information. He's verified because we read a couple news stories about the exact same information. Well, Joe, why was it the exact same information the FBI had? Because it came from the same guy, you knuckleheads. (laughs) Can you play that again? Please. (laughs) It's true. 
true, Dano. Guys, take the L. Take the loss. It's over. It's over. It's over. Over. I know what you're covering up. You are covering up using, and not only a, a horrible source, a completely discredited source you knew was discredited, in order to make it appear he was credible, you use media stories your same crap source gave to the media. You're also covering up a massive entrapment scandal, our intelligence community, along with foreign intelligence, where they tried to bait in Trump officials into an entrapment scam, notably George Papadopoulos and Carter Page, that you knew about. I haven't even gotten to that yet. One last time. It's over. I mean it. I know we kind of mess around a little bit sometimes in the show. It's over. It's over. You lost. Some of you will wind up in handcuffs for leaking to the FBI. Some of you, notably Jim Comey, Jim Baker, Andy McCabe, John Brennan. Some of you will suffer a worse fate. Your fate will be that when the clear eyes of history look back on this moment, you will have been on the wrong side of liberty, freedom, and the Bill of Rights. And to the media goons, lunatic hacks in the media, who tried to gaslight us into believing that collusion was real and spying was fake, know this. In the one moment you had to shine and save the republic and do the right thing, you failed. Your kids will be embarrassed by you. Your grandkids will be embarrassed by you. History will use you as an example of exactly what not to do when trying to enter into the field of journalism. You will become a stain on our country from this point on. The clear eyes of history always tell the truth. You won't be able to hide this forever. You people in the media will become accomplices to the biggest scandal in American history. You're a disgrace. Disgrace to everything this country stands for. I'm embarrassed for you. Disgust me. We knew this two years ago. Disgusting. All right. I got one more story to get to. Hopefully, I'm just, uh, it's over. It is so over for these people. There's no recovering from this. Please understand that. Share this to anybody who will listen. Please. Anybody. All right, folks, today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. Time to change the air filters in here, by the way. All right, according to the CDC, about 7 million people are getting hit with the flu this year. Many think getting sick has to do with the cold. That's not true. You get sick because you spend more time indoors. There's higher concentrations with really nasty air of cold, uh, cold viruses running around, flu viruses. If you want to improve your chances this cold and flu season, start by improving the quality of your internal air inside your house with FilterBuy. They're America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. This is one of those things that's so easy to kick the can down the road. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to, you have to replace your filters. Why not replace them with a company that likes being here, likes talking to you, and they love America. They produce 
produce their air filters right here in the great old USA. They have over 600 different air filter sizes. You have an air HVAC system in your house? You do. I know you do. They have your size. They can even customize options. They ship free within 24 hours. They manufacture all their filters right here in the USA. They love this country. This is a great company. Save time, save money. Give yourself an edge this cold and flu season. Go to filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. Let's take care of the companies that take care of us and love this country. Filterby.com. We all need air filters. I appreciate you all supporting my sponsors. They mean the world to me. They keep the show free for you. It's not free for us, I assure you. Filterby.com. Tell them Dan Bongino sent you. I really appreciate that. Okay. Um. Last story, that you know, uh, let me just uh, set this up a little bit too, because this just goes to show you. So, so, so number one, where we just wrapped up, what is the FBI hiding? Now, I mean, it's over. Now, not, I just told you what they're hiding. So you now know what they're saying. So they're not hiding anything. We might as well just come clean. But they're hiding the fact that they knew their entire case was based on steel. They told the FISA court he was reliable. It's absolutely clear as day. They knew the guy was unreliable and was lying to them. They then failed to do basic investigative techniques, which a bureaucrat at the State Department figured out. So that's number one. We based our entire case on a lie. We're supposed to be the greatest law enforcement agency in the history of humankind. And we face-planted. But scandal number two is enormous, too. Scandal number two is Spygate, where the FBI spied and the intelligence agency on the Trump team. Or took information from spies. There's no doubt about that. That's not in dispute. Only amongst the imbecile class is that in dispute. Okay? Right. Here's a fascinating tidbit. And I have to hat tip. If you're not following this Twitter account, I, I know I said you listen to Maria Bartiromo's show and watch it. I meant that uh, because it's a great show. But on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, there's an account. It's at John W. Huber. It's it's not John Huber, the AUSA investigating this case, actual account. Uh it, it's, he calls himself Undercover Huber. I have no idea who this guy is or woman. Not, I'm not making that up. I'm not being coy. None. All I know is the information on his or her Twitter is always phenomenal. If you're not following them, you're making a big mistake. So he had this interesting little tidbit this weekend. There's been a FOIA request for Andrew Weissman. Bob Mueller's right-hand guy who hates Donald Trump is mm -hmm. a Hillary supporter. And mm -hmm. keep in mind, knows the dossier is garbage because he's briefed on it in August of 2016. Mm -hmm. He's appointed to Mueller's team in May of 2017. All right. So Weissman knows the whole case is garbage, but he's only there, of course, not to make a collusion case against Trump. He knows the collusion case based on the dossier. He knows the dossier is crap. He's there to get Trump locked up for something and they make up this fabricated obstruction of justice case. Okay, that's this whole scope memo thing. But there was a FOIA request for Andy Weissman's calendar, which is fascinating. So we get his calendar and we see this little entry right around June 13th of 2017. Tuesday, June 13th, 2 p.m. He has a meeting with the Cyprus MLAT. Cyprus. What else happened in Cyprus? What's the MLAT? Cyprus Emma, that's the Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty. So we're requiring some legal assistance from Cyprus? Well, ladies and gentlemen, what else happened in Cyprus? Well, there's a fascinating entry from George Papadopoulos's book, Deep State Target, where George Papadopoulos writes, I make it through a, a restless night of sleep, wondering if I'm going to be the subject of a police raid. The next day on June 9th, we fly to Cyprus and drive to an out-of-the-way remote town. I'm surprised. 
Every time I've been to Cyprus, I've stayed at the Hilton in Nicosia, where the business community congregates. Instead, we drive to a small village and Tawil pays a Vietnamese woman in cash for our rooms. This makes no sense to me. The only thing I can think of is that we're here because it's near a meeting place. But that's not the case. Maybe it's easier to plant bugs in some out-of-the-way apartment than in a hotel room. What the heck is Andy Weissman talking to people from Cyprus about legal assistance they may need? George Papadopoulos, ladies and gentlemen, a Trump team foreign policy advisor who was targeted by the intelligence community, an entrapment scheme. Many of you are familiar with. They send uh, a guy in, Mifsud, who's connected to Western intelligence. He's not Russian, like the Mueller report disingenuously tries to claim his Russian contacts. His mm -hmm. contacts were minimal compared to his contacts with the Western intelligence community. They set up Papadopoulos, and they send Mifsud in to tell him about this uh, alleged Russian dirt, which Mifsud says he doesn't say. They want to pull that information about uh, out of Papadopoulos later, the intelligence community. They want Papadopoulos to talk about it. They do that via the Downer meeting. Now, something interesting happens later on. Before Papadopoulos is arrested at Dulles Airport, he has this meeting he was talking about in his book with this guy, Charles Tawil. Well, this guy Tawil gives him $10,000 in cash for a business transaction. Now, ladies and gentlemen, he gives him the money in Israel, and the next day he asks him to fly to Cyprus, who Andy Weissman conveniently... Do you have the photo of that tweet, by the way, from Hubert? Did I send oh, it to man. you? Because the Hubert tweet is so good. If I didn't have it, I'll put it up uh, after the show. But the tweet from the undercover Hubert account is so good because it lays out the timeline and it's just, it's so clear what's going on. Right around June 8th and 9th, Papadopoulos meets with this guy, Tawil, who gives him 10000 in cash for a suspicious business transaction. The next day, June 9th, Tawil asks him to fly to Cyprus. June 13th, just days after that, Weissman's having a meeting with Cyprus about some mutual legal assistance they needed. Now, to be fair and hat tip to Undercover Huber and another account at Technofog who pulled this up, here's a piece from Talking Points Memo. Again, because I like to give both sides. I'm not, uh, unlike journalists, I actually do facts here. Weissman was investigating Manafort for some money being uh, allegedly hidden in Cyprus as well. You can see it in this talking point uh, memo piece here, which we have up, where he says, according to Monday's filing, investigators first sought the documents from Cyprus in early June of 2017. So there's a distinct possibility here that Weissman's meeting is exclusively, meeting with Cyprus is exclusively about Manafort. But ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a simple question as an investigator. George Papadopoulos is being set up. He's a Trump team member. The, the, the conspirators who are setting Papadopoulos up want to appear as a middleman in a Russian transaction for information with the Trump team. He's not dealing with Russians. He's dealing with friendlies who are setting him up. The setup doesn't work. They need Papadopoulos to shut up and they need to arrest him on something. So what better way to do it than to give him $10,000? Who pays in cash? Who pays $10,000 and get nobody? We don't, I have a business. Don't ever ask me to pay you in yeah. cash. That's not how we do business. You don't pay in cash. Nobody pays in cash unless you're traveling back to the United States in the following days. Maybe you need some communication about the cash payments on tape in Cyprus who Weissman's clearly dealing with at this point. 
And now it makes perfect sense why the FBI rushes to Dulles instead of Chicago to get Papadopoulos. I know, you're a little confused. I get it. The FBI, somebody's setting Papadopoulos up. There is some relationship with the people targeting Trump and the Cyprus government. Do you actually believe that a Trump foreign policy person under investigation by the FBI, Bob Mueller, they arrest Papadopoulos later. He's under investigation. Traveled to Cyprus by chance to meet a guy who just gave him $10,000 in cash, which conveniently is the exact amount you need to declare when coming back to the United (laughs) States to not commit a crime. You have to declare assets over $10,000. Ladies and gentlemen, when Papadopoulos travels back from that trip, he's going back to Chicago where he lives. Why not just interview him in Chicago? They've interviewed him there before. Why does the FBI rush to Dulles to try to grab Papadopoulos at the airport in Dulles? Not Chicago. You tracking me, Joe? He mm-hmm. comes back yeah. from overseas on the same trip. Yeah. He gets the 10000 in cash. The amount he better declare, he better. or he's going to be arrested for not declaring it. Where do you declare it? At the customs checkpoint. Yeah. Where do you clear customs when you travel out of the United States? Uh. Your first entry point, mm-hmm. not your end point. If you travel to the United States to Chicago, but you land in Miami and take a connection to Chicago, you clear customs in Miami, right? not Chicago. Is it just possible that the Bureau knew about this $10,000 cash payment made to Papadopoulos, fully expecting him to show up at Dulles before he clears customs with that $10,000 in cash, so they had something on a, to arrest him on because their setup of Papadopoulos via Missoud and Downer didn't work out because Papadopoulos never sent on any of the Missoud information about Russian dirt to the Trump team? Pretty difficult to conclude Trump's colluding with the Russians when the middleman you're setting up Papadopoulos isn't acting as the middleman. He didn't send the information to the Trump team. Now they're afraid Papadopoulos is going to out them for scandal number two. First, that their Christopher Steele story is crap. And story number two, that Papadopoulos was being set up. They're afraid he's going to out them. So what does Mueller and Weissman's team do? Oh, head over to Cyprus. We got some contacts there. Maybe we'll get them on tape. We're working with Cyprus already on the Manafort thing. Does he got that $10,000? He didn't have it. Papadopoulos left the money in Greece. Now, folks, why would you have to nail Papadopoulos at customs? You may say, Dan, I don't get it. Why not just wait for him in Chicago at the end of his flight? If he had the $10,000 there, it would all be fine. (laughs) Because they weren't sure he had the money. You can't swear to a warrant. Swear to a warrant that George Papadopoulos entered the United States with $10,000 cash in front of a judge if he hasn't entered the United States yet. They know he got the money overseas. Mm. They probably had a warrant ready to go, assuming he was going to bring it back. They rushed to Dulles because, ladies and gentlemen, you have no right to Fourth Amendment search and seizure at a U.S. border checkpoint. You don't need a warrant. You enter the United States, the Mexico border, at an airport or a port. There are big signs everywhere. 
You can be searched and your stuff can be seized with no warrant. The Bureau wasn't sure he had the money. So they don't want to swear to a warrant saying he has the money, knowing he don't. they don't know if he has it yet. He hasn't landed. How are they going to go in front of a judge? Judge Papadopoulos lands at 9 o'clock this morning with $10,000. Guys, it's 7. Oh, darn. I'm sorry, judge. Yes, he's going to land at 9 o'clock with the money. They couldn't swear to the warrant. But they still had to search him for the money. So rush to the dullest airport when he comes back. Hit him before the customs checkpoint where he has no Fourth Amendment right there. Search him there. Uh Uh-oh. Panic time. He's got no money. Quick. Probable cause arrest for lying to the FBI months ago. It's over, fellas. It's over. It's time to come clean. Man. Thank you all, sincerely, for your attention today. I mean it. And I'm humbly and requestfully begging you on bended knee to share this with anyone who will listen. It is over. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.